Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke 2, the very familiar words of uh, verses 1 through 7. The text is printed for you in the bulletin. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them, no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. About 20 years ago, Janice and I were privileged to travel to Israel. The last five days of our time there we spent in Jerusalem. We were slotted to stay in the King David Hotel. It's one of the nicest hotels in the world. But for two of those days, we were displaced. The Chancellor of Germany was in town for a meeting. He and his entourage occupied the entire hotel, so we went to some Marriott across the city. When dignitaries go places, everybody else scatters, even if you have a reservation. Let's think for a moment about the birth of Jesus. Is he a dignitary? King of kings. Lord of lords. Emmanuel, God with us. The light and life of mankind. The Lord of all creation. He sort of puts all other dignitaries in perspective. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem in a, the text doesn't say exactly. I'm going to borrow heavily from Christian scholar and lifelong resident of the Middle East, Kenneth Bailey. Here's how he explains it. Mary and Joseph have relatives in the area. They're of the house and lineage of David. That's the town of Bethlehem. They have relatives in the area. So Mary and Joseph go from Nazareth. They make the trip, and we're told in verse 6 that while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. Joseph is not a klutz. He knows to leave Nazareth in time to get to Bethlehem well ahead of the delivery date. He doesn't show up at 8 months and 29 days. He gets there, and while she's there, she gives birth to a baby. What does he do? He finds lodging with relatives. There is a strong penchant among Middle Easterns toward hospitality. It's unthinkable that they would arrive and have absolutely no place to stay. So they likely find lodging in a peasant home with relatives. Let me point out several features of these homes. You can still see them today in Israel. The typical one-story peasant home, you came up several steps and entered a large place where the entire family lived. 
Often in the back was a guest room. The Greek word is kataluma. It's what your English translation has translated as in. In all likelihood, that word in is referring to a guest room, not the holiday inn down the street. Every Middle Eastern translator translates the word kataluma as guest room, not in. Later on in Luke, Luke 10, when Luke tells the story, the good uh, repeats the story from Jesus of the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan pays for this damaged person to be put up in an inn. It's not the word kataluma, it's a different Greek word. So Mary and Joseph have come to this one story place where there's a guest room. The other feature is at one end, there was often an attached barn type thing where the animals could come in for their own safety and warmth. And between the main level of the, of the, of the uh, house and the place where the animals were, there was an indentation called a manger. Into that you would put the feed for the animals. And we're told in the text three times, verse 7, 12, and uh, 16, that Jesus was laid in a manger. Likely, there are guests that have already arrived for the census, staying in the Cataluma, the guest room, so Mary and Joseph stay with the rest of the family in this one-story space. I think, basically, that's probably the way that it happened. Did God want his son born and placed in a manger? Yeah. Or there would have been a room for them somewhere else. So this is the situation with Mary and Joseph. It tells us that your Savior has come to be born in the most humble of circumstances. So I'm going to invite you into this scene roughly 2,000 years ago. I'm going to ask you who you identify with of all the witnesses. Who are the witnesses here for the birth? We've got the animals, we've got Mary and Joseph, we've got the people who own the home, we have the relatives back in the Cataluma, the guest room, and the shepherds appear. You could throw in the wise men if you wanted to, but they don't, they don't, appear, they don't come to the birth of Jesus for quite some time after. So there's all the people. With whom do you identify? I think I identify with the animals. What do we know about animals? They make a big mess, and they are completely unable to clean it up themselves. I make a big mess in my heart, and I can't clean it up myself. My heart is dark and dirty and stinky. And this scene tells you that God the Son is born in the close proximity to animals where the mess is. It tells you that Jesus does not despise going to dirty hearts like yours and mine. That's the wonder of Christmas. The Lord Jesus Christ will enter into our hearts in whatever condition they are in. Stinky, dirty, sinful, smelly, you name it. And Jesus Christ is the only person who can take away your mess. By his grace, by his mercy, the Lord Jesus Christ changes our hearts by the light of his truth, the warmth of his love, and the cleansing of his blood. 33 years later, the Lord Jesus Christ would be tortured and crucified on a horrible Roman cross. And what looked like 
abject human failure was in the eyes of his father a fragrant aroma of a sacrifice of infinite value. Because Jesus Christ will take the stench and rottenness and guilt of your sin. He will remove it on the cross. And somehow in the economy of God's stunning mercy, that sacrifice is before his father a pleasing aroma. And when you trust Christ for your salvation, when you are united to Jesus by faith, your life Equally is forever that point on a sweet, savory aroma to a holy God. That's the good news of Christmas. Personally, I thought for a long time I wasn't a mess. I was deceiving myself. Then I thought I could clean up my mess. I was kidding myself. Then Jesus said, bring your mess to me Humble yourself. Let me take your mess. And in that marvelous invitation to be saved by grace, to be clean by another, to be made perfect for the presence of a holy God through Jesus Christ, the heart is changed. Has he changed your heart? Have you invited in him? Have you said, yeah, I'm dirtier than I know. I can't clean up this mess. But you don't despise broken, wretched, helpless, dark, stinky hearts. Oh, Jesus, come in. Change me. I'll be forever yours. Let me pray for you and for me. Lord Jesus, how marvelous, how stunning, how encouraging. You do not despise our dirty, smelly, stinky, dark hearts. This is really the only place you can go among humans because that is all of us whether we know it or not. Show my brothers and sisters present how deep their need is of your cleansing blood, your triumphant cross, your resurrection, your reigning on high for them, ever living to make intercession for them, coming again in glory for them. Show, my brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel. Fill their hearts with your love and your grace and the power of your birth that God is among us. And by the Spirit, you, the King of glory, make our hearts your throne. Come and reign, Lord Jesus. Reign in your truth, your goodness, your kindness, your grace, and your resurrection power, all for your glory.